Welcome in to a football show. My name is Zach Lyons. You follow me on Twitter at FWordsPod. And filling in for Braden, who's on vacation, apparently uh, uh, spring break, does not care about the NFL free agency period beginning. And so Braden is on vacation. So filling in for Braden is my man, Stoney Keeley, at Stoney Keeley on Twitter, SoBrosNetwork.com. We got all kinds of stuff that we're going to be talking about today. But first, the Kingston Group, our wonderful show sponsor, title sponsor here. If you need to build, renovate, or just even design and plan, and you maybe you just need an estimate, go to the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. They are the best because they use the highest quality materials. They are they use the highest quality workers. They know what you need and how to best get you what you need in your house. Stoney. Plug everything that you got going on at the Sobros Network. Oh, man. SobrosNetwork.com, the unofficial Titans podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you take in your shows, we're out there. I did six wide receiver evaluations. It's up on SobrosNetwork.com this morning. Like the top six consensus fringe first round guys are all in one piece right there because I thought, I don't really think the Titans are going to take a receiver at 11. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. So let's just put everything in one spot. You guys can get that there. I'm working on a Broderick Jones write-up. I'm doing some C.J. Stroud film study this week. All kinds of Titan stuff going up there. In addition to, listen, I got some commentary on Sunny D Vodka Seltzers dropping later today. So. Oh, nice. I saw those, and I was like, we we are have now jumped the shark with seltzers. Have you have you seen them in stores? Because Brittany Fernandez uh, went out and looked for them this weekend and couldn't find them anywhere. I, I have not, but I, I just saw them on Twitter. Very nice. Very nice. And I, I would like to say, as we start the show, Zach, thank you for having me without Braden on the show and, and me here. Who's going to fill my void in the comment section? That's just going to be spamming y'all with dumb shit the entire show. Somebody well, needs the, to step up. Well, they're probably all really busy uh, melting down, uh, you know, because the Titans aren't overpaying for every uh, uh, free agent out there. But before we get into that, stackingtheinbox.com is where you need to go to find my written work. I know there is not an article out today, but that is for good reason, and I previewed it with Stoney, and I'm not going to preview it right now, but I have a massive free agency tool that is a lot more intricate and detailed than even the draft prospect one that I built. So, I mean, this one is going to be pretty interesting. It's going to be really good. It's going to be a constant resource and reference for you. And then coming soon is going to be a little Titans cap tracker that I'm building out. $4 a month, and you're getting all these tools for $4 a month, plus incredible insight, if I do say so myself, on certain things like what something we'll be talking about today. the Lama, How possible and probable is Lamar Jackson to the Tennessee Titans? And I put out a plan. I put out an article. going to be great work. I got the new stuff up. The Texans have just signed former Bills corner quarterback Case Keenum to a two-year deal. Uh-oh. So the Texans lost out on Jimmy G, which we'll talk about here in just a second. So they're targeted Case Keenum as a backup, I guess, behind Davis Mills. So we'll see about that. So here's kind of how the show's going to go. It's kind of chaotic, right? I mean, we're talking about... Free agency, legal tampering window, trade signings are all going to be going through. So we're going to try and keep it structured as much as possible. But we're going to have to get back 
to the legal tampering window with some signings and breaking news. So just bear with us. So speaking of legal tampering window, tampon, it's, it's open, baby. The legal temp, the NFL free agency has spread its legs open and you and any team can sign another player. It is time to tamper with some free agents. And just so we can kind of catch everybody up, Deron Payne has been signed to a new contract. Javon Hargrave has been signed to a $21 million per year contract. Chris Lindstrom of a guard, Ben Powers, Calais Campbell's been cut, Mike McGlinchey signed, Cam Sutton is signed, Shai Tuttle is signed, Jimmy G is signed, Mike White is signed, Connor McGovern signed, and Andrew Riley, and of course the case game that we just talked about. And it looks like the Texans are expected to also sign Chase Winovich as well. So that's a lot to get to, but I think the most important thing to talk about right now is Deron Payne, Javon Hargrave, have both signed pretty big contracts, right? We're talking about, uh, I believe it was 22.5 for uh, Deron Payne. Um, so we now have over on the flip side, 21 for Javon Hargrave. A lot of people have come out and said that mega deal is going to happen for Jeffrey Simmons. While I do think Jeffrey Simmons is going to get a, a pretty dang good deal, I'm not entirely sold that it's going to be over $25 million per year. Stoney, what are your initial thoughts after seeing Deron Payne and Javon Hargrave steals? Kind of surprised, to be honest. Uh, I, I feel like that's a high dollar amount. Those are big contracts for those guys. Deron Payne's a good defensive lineman. I'm not so sure he's the best defensive lineman on his own team, though. Now, from the beginning, when all of this talk about extending Jeffrey Simmons or giving him the big contract started... I, I kind of I kind of felt like he was going to be a hundred million dollar man. So all of this news, I, I don't really think it does much to move the needle for Jeffrey Simmons price because I think Jeffrey Simmons price tag was always going to be pretty hefty. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because everybody's like, oh, well, you got to pay Simmons way more. You got to pay him way more. And then if you look at Deron Payne's per game stats and Jeffrey Simmons per game stats, they're they're quite similar. Tackles, yeah. 3.6 for Deron Payne, 3.4 for Jeffrey Simmons. Sacks, 0.35 for Deron Payne, 0.38 for Simmons. Tackles for loss, 0.49 for Deron Payne, and 0.5 for uh, Jeffrey Simmons. So I get to this point where I talk about Titans free agents or Titans extensions, and I'm like, are we because we are highly exposed to Jeffrey Simmons on a weekly basis, pretty much every day, all day, we think about Jeffrey Simmons uh, and how great he is. Do we overrate him as far as his worth compared to what everybody else does? Uh, case in point, like when Jayon Brown, Dane Crookshank, now these guys aren't on the level of Jeffrey Simmons, but remember Avery Williamson when he was let go or Jarrell Casey was traded. Everybody went crazy because those players were traded and all this kind of stuff. I feel like, yeah, the market is kind. I think you're waiting on Quinnen Williams and, and Dexter Lawrence, obviously, if you're the uh, agent for um, Jeffrey Simmons. And obviously he's going to go above these numbers, but the Javon Hargrave deal coming in a little bit lower than Deron Payne is a pretty good sign for where the market may fluctuate for some of these other deals. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And to answer your question about overrate, 
overrating Simmons. I don't think I don't think the Titans fans overrate him in terms of where he stacks up amongst the the defensive tackles, defensive linemen in the NFL. I do think he's a tad underrated by the national guys. And I mean, smart football people know that have watched Jeffrey Simmons know, and they they rightfully put him in the upper echelon of defensive tackles. But I think, you know, by and large, the average sports sports fan in, you know, New York probably doesn't know much about Jeffrey Simmons in that regard. I do think that Titans fans are uh, right on the money with where he stacks up with the defensive tackles. I think my concern is Titans fans might be overinflating how important uh, his contributions are to the success of this defense because they've obviously got a great line coach. They can just plug guys in and they can be productive. You know, I'm not saying that you're going to find a, an undrafted Jeffrey Simmons in the draft this year, but I think, you know, you can piece a few guys together to make a rotation to cover for his absence. So I think that's where the disconnect is in terms of where Titans fans kind of evaluate him. Yeah, I also feel like the worth is I worry about this agent, right? This agent that he's hired, I, I don't don't have his name pulled up in front of me, but this agent that he's hired has been in the NFL PA as a registered sports agent since 2019. Mm. Okay. He, he has zero successful contracts negotiated. So that really scares me with how this whole process is being handled on Jeffrey Simmons in, because we've seen where if agents don't do their job properly, that we've seen with AJ Brown, that like, it's like one, one deal, then it's over. And, and to me, I I don't want to get into this, you know, he said, she said, or anything like that. It just, it's a, it's a valid concern that Titans fans should have that this agent may be coming to the table, a little inexperienced versus against an NFL team with Rand Carthon, who has negotiated deals, who has been part of, I guess you would say trades where he's traded away DeForest Buckner to the Colts for picks because of of money issues. So not, not necessarily he traded away, but he has been involved with a franchise that's seen that's done that and seen that, and they weren't any worse for it. So I worry a little bit about what this agent is going to do. That's very inexperienced. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's a that's a fair concern. I, I mean, this kind of feels like uncharted waters here. We're we're traveling into. Yeah, I, I want to get into now, we've seen a myriad of offensive linemen kind of come off the board. Mike McGlinchey, Andrew Wiley, who are both uh, right tackles. Then you have uh, Ben Powers, Chris Lindstrom, uh, Connor McGovern, from, that is Connor McGovern from Dallas, because there's two Connor McGoverns out there. Um, they are guards that are now off the board. The offensive line markets, so a lot of these have been overpaying. So here's where I'm at on this. I've never really thought that McGlinchey or any right tackle was really into play with the Tennessee Titans. I always thought that it's NPF and you just got to roll with NPF because that is the, that is the um, cap that's, I guess the most efficient use of your salary cap and resources is not going to be attacking the right tackle position. Just let NPF handle that over there. Sure. But these guards are quality, but the guard market is a little overpriced right now. And um, like most things, 
it's gonna I think you're gonna see the Tennessee Titans wait a little bit on offensive line. I don't expect a big splash signing today or tomorrow. Now it could could be um uh surprised at any point and case in point, Jawan Taylor uh just signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. And so the replacement for um replacement for Orlando Brown. Uh, oh, is Jawan Taylor on the left side? I think Jawan Taylor's the left side, or he has played on the left side. Don't quote me on that. I don't have that information up to me right now. But let's say Jawan Taylor is gone, but that's an $80 million deal, four years, mm-hmm. $20 million for Jawan Taylor. And then also there's Nick Gates, a guard that signed with the Commanders. Um, he is getting a, a three-year $16.5 million deal. So... A lot of a lot of offensive line are coming off the board, and I I want to say this about the Tennessee Titans. I'm not too upset they've missed out on anybody because I've zeroed in on a guy like Daniel Brunskill from the San Francisco 49ers. You can play either either guard spot. I think he is a good pickup. You know, I I think like you got to go left tackle in, in the draft when you're really thinking about it. So what has been your, have you, I know it's only been going on for like a couple hours or where's your concern level for this offensive line when you see all these guys flying off the board? I'm not concerned at all. I told you before we started recording, like I, I might be in the minority of Titans fans here when I say I'm not in any rush to spend big money. I mean, seeing the dollar amounts that are coming off the board here with these offensive linemen is just insane to me. Like the Titans are not in a position where they can be spending that kind of money on a, a single player and free agent that t- to me is not not necessarily worth it. I don't think you're spending money on a contract unless you have some upside there that this guy can stick around for a while. So some of the names that I had written down along the offensive line, I loved uh, Mike Herndon brought up Cam Fleming on Twitter, left, right versatility. He's kind of a great bridge candidate, I think was the word that he used. I like Cam Fleming a lot. Uh, not a lot of upside there, but you know, minimal deal to come in and kind of be the uh, the swing man and that bridge to the rookie left tackle. Andre Dillard still on the table, maybe some some upside there if you think you can get him in and and coach him up, get him a starting job again, and kind of see how you can develop him. Maybe worth the money, but for me, I, I'm not panicking yet. I all of these guys that I've mentioned are still available. And even a guy like Isaiah Wynn, I know he's he's been, relatively speaking, a bust for New England since he was picked in the first round, but still a lot of talent there. I think he's only 26 years old. Somebody that probably won't command a hefty price tag that you might be able to get in and develop still. So I think there are still good options for the offensive line there. I, I'm okay without spending $20, $16 million on a tackle right now. Well, you also got guys like um, you, you mentioned a bunch of them that I was going to talk about, and that's that's good. But you also got um, Donovan Smith is still yeah. out there. Uh, I think that he would be a good fit for this team. Marcus Cannon is a guy that's been kind of floating around New England aimlessly, but when he plays, he's really good. Um, Trey Pipkins is another guy yeah. from the Chargers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys still out here. I mean, we're talking. Uh, Mike Clay puts out a top 300 free agency list, and right now, beside in total, you had at least 47 tackles hitting the market. And we've had what? We've had one, 
let's see, one, two, three come off the board. Now, a lot of these guys you don't want to fool around with, but that's still a good amount of people that you can still kind of look at and and kind of, you know, decide and choose from. And this probably, this is kind of like the pre-wave and then there's a first wave of free agency. It's almost like this is now the first wave free agency, this legal tampering window. And then Wednesday is like the second wave because you're going to get all your deals over the next few months and there's going to be a lot flying around. And speaking of flying around, no wide receivers have signed yet. Not one wide receiver free agent has signed yet. Are you a little surprised that not even just one has been re-signed? I, I think the one would be Jacoby Myers. I think he's the crown jewel of this wide receiver class, if you want to call it that. I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't gone, but if you think about what he's asking for, I've read somewhere in like the 13 mil a year, and that just seems absurd for uh, a player of his production. I think there are some guys that uh, will hit the market that'll be available that'll be just fine, but I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be disappointed if the Titans miss out on one of these uh, quote unquote top guys in this class. Uh, I will say this: uh, we go back to the the left tackle, right tackle for Jawan Taylor. Ian Rappaport has connected it to Orlando Brown, so uh, so Ooh. apparently Jawan Taylor will be playing the left tackle is the plan. Um, the I look at it, the wide receiver class, and the more I look at it, because I'm working on that free agency thing, and the more I look at it, the more I start talking myself into guys that are available, like Demarcus Robinson, Darius Slayton, I like Alan Slayton. Lazard. Um, of course, I've always been a big Jacoby Meyer guy, but Juju Smith-Schuster hasn't re-signed. What is Justin Watson in a different thing? I probably would pass on him, but like Paris Campbell is a guy that I kind of would be going on if I was the Titans. I, there's a lot of players that I would take over Miko Hardman. Yeah, me too. And there are a lot of people that are Titans analysts, Titans local media, that are national. In fact, uh, Jordan Schultz used the term elite in describing him that he's an elite playmaker. I don't see it. Now, no, I've either. seen it like no. once or twice a season, but other than that, I have never seen a player with so much hype surrounding him continuously that has not lived up to their draft hype and still is getting elite hype. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, to to pile on a couple of other names, I kind of I kind of like Mac Collins of the the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a a physical guy, um, big target. Could, could come in and kind of fill that hole maybe even Richie James I know he's a little smaller he seems like a an inside guy but you need playmakers at this point and you need cheap ones because you have so many holes to fill so I think this is a class where you can get that guy I, I just I really I'm afraid I don't want them to overspend on one of these retreads yeah I, I'm with you there's only very few guys that I would be be looking for uh i see that d good has put full tank is on we're not we're not gonna get into this but i will say this it's a blow up not a not a tank not a you know anything else is a, is a Ooh, uh, i've got another term for it okay i got another term for it because i think uh, i like glow up that's what i've been using ever since you brought it to a football show i've been using glow up but it, it occurred to me over the weekend like this this franchise is undergoing a facelift because 
it's not open heart surgery, but you still got to go under the knife and there's a, a pretty good chance you could still end up looking pretty fucked up on the other side of it too. So a I'm, $13 million signing bonus as well for Ben, for uh, Ben powers who I, he was kind of on my radar, but yeah, I, you know, um, yeah, I'm with you. It's just uh, the people who think until they trade away Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry, you cannot tank. It is like it is almost yeah. impossible for this team to tank with those two players still on the team and Mike Vrabel coaching as well. Um, that that will be it for now until there's until we go uh, if there's any more news breaking. But Stoney, right. the mm-hmm. Panthers clawed their way to the first overall draft pick, and there's a lot to dissect with this. We're not specifically going to get into what they traded away, which was DJ Moore and, and and the draft picks that they traded away, but they've jumped up to to one. The yeah. Texans are going to be linked to a quarterback, and until the day we until the day the draft happens, right? They're going to be linked sure to that quarterback. That? Yeah, I mean, they'll be they'll be linked. I'm not saying that they'll <laughs> draft for sure. I'm just saying they'll be linked to a quarterback. Yeah. So that leaves the number three spot, right? That's the earliest the Tennessee Titans could trade up because obviously the Texans would not trade within their own division unless you're like paying out the ass. So the problem with trading up to three would would be that do you feel that Anthony Richardson is at is the same level as C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, because that's the only reason. That's that's one of the scenarios and one of the line of thinking behind going up to three is that you would have to have the conviction that it's like C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and then Anthony Richardson, right? Yeah. What if though? Let's just play devil's advocate here for a minute. What if? Because you and Braden have been talking about it. I've agreed with you guys. I think the Combine did a lot for Anthony Richardson in terms of public perception. But I think people knew what Anthony Richardson was long before the Combine. So I don't know how much it really improved his draft stock as much as everybody thinks it did. But what if Carolina or Houston have a higher grade on Anthony Richardson than we're thinking, and he's one of the top two quarterbacks to go? Well, right. But that what I'm saying is, is that you you can't you can't trade up banking on that like if you're the right. Tennessee Titans from the Tennessee Titans perspective you have to be okay with two different scenarios laying out okay that obviously do not include CJ Stroud or Bryce Young being there at 3 cuz obviously that's the thing you have to be okay that it's Anthony Richardson at 3 or you have to be okay with giving up the picks and taking Will Anderson Exactly or Jalen Carter say. if those other two guys are, go- are gone and you don't like Anthony Richardson yeah, you roll the dice on Young or Stroud being there, and if they're not, then you have to be okay with Will Anderson as a consolation prize. And I think that's a, that's a scenario that is probably not worth risking the capital to move up and get into that position. But maybe it's an option. I don't know. What do you what do you think about the Panthers coming out and supposedly saying that they're open to trading the number one overall pick? I don't I don't get that. I don't understand because then just stay where you're at. I don't I feel like someone if you saw t- the number one pick traded twice, 
that would have to be the first time in NFL history, right? And then who's their quarterback? Well, I, I mean, if you're the Titans, could you throw Ryan Tannehill into a package to move up to Carolina? I mean, Tannehill no. and Henry both. You I mean, maybe, but wouldn't off. you? Wouldn't if you're Carolina? Wouldn't you have already done your research and like kicked that around beforehand? And I would think I just so. save your first yeah. round pick. Like to me, it just doesn't make a lot of make a lot of sense. But I will say this: according to Adam Schefter's belief, the Panthers owner David Tepper loves Bryce Young, while Frank Reich likes C.J. Stroud. Now, love and like are in quotation marks so those are two different things at this point in time a decision between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud is in play for the number one overall pick this is according to Adam Schefter so you have to hope that the Texans may be foolishly like Will Levis or they are deciding to build around next year's quarterback by maybe drafting a defender so that's why trading this is has a huge ripple effect because you know, if Aaron Rodgers signs with the Jets, you're kind of stuck with Ryan Tannehill for the most part. So you got to figure out what you're going to do with that. And then you go and you got to look at essentially, am I okay with Will Levis? Or sorry, hopefully never, never no. Levis. <laughs> Anthony Richardson, Will Anderson, or Jalen Carter mm-hmm. at number three if mm-hmm. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are gone. So that's what you're essentially saying. And I see a scenario where if these contract talks do not get resolved with Jeffrey Simmons and they trade up to three, I see a scenario where they could be trading up for Jalen Carter, trading Jeffrey Simmons for a first-round pick somewhere else. Yeah. In the uh, draft and recouping those picks. Could absolutely see that. It will be interesting because this this – it was pretty much reported that the Titans were all up in their business, the the Bears business, trying to get a deal done. And obviously they couldn't. Obviously, DJ Moore probably moves the needle for the Bears and anybody else. But I, it will be interesting to see how now that DJ Moore is with Justin Fields, can they can Justin Fields get him the ball? Can they put together a really good offense around Justin Fields? Because they've also started signing some uh, offensive. They've been in the market for some offensive linemen. You know, they're working and trying to build around Justin Fields. That's a good sign for that. No, no new news on the tampering. But before we get into our next topic, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com for all your remodeling. If your house needs a glow up, they don't do blowups, but if your house needs a glow up, they'll they'll be able to help you out. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Stoney, I wrote an article at stackingtheinbox.com where I put together a plan to get Lamar Jackson. Hopefully you've read yeah. it because I know you're subscribed. I did. I did. And I want to kind of go through this because it while the Tennessee Titans have missed out on the number one overall pick, and I'm a little sad about it, it's not over that they can't move on from Ryan Tannehill. It's not over that they can't get a younger quarterback. And that's why I laid out about Lamar Jackson. Now, before we get into it, I want to know your thoughts. How probable do you think it is that the Titans will ever be in Lamar Jackson this offseason? I would say, oh man, I it, I would say 99.9% positive that he will not end up with the Titans. I mean, 
I would have said not a chance before I read your column on stacking the inbox.com. And then I, I read it and I thought, my goodness, this son of a bitch, you did it. You, you laid out a scenario for Lamar Jackson here in Nashville, but the resources it would take. And then I, I still just have some flat out concerns about Lamar Jackson's health. To me, it's not as much about the, um, the style of play because Greg Roman is Greg Roman kind of get a, an incomplete evaluation of what Lamar Jackson's potential could be in a different offense. I, I just, I don't know if the Titans will want to dedicate the resources to getting him. And I don't know that, I don't know what their evaluation of Lamar Jackson would be like. So I think it's, it's snowball's chance in hell in my book. Yeah, I broke it down, and I, I'll, I'll go, I won't go into full detail. So if you want more detail, then you need to go to stackintheinbox.com, $4 a month. But the first question I posed was, is Lamar Jackson worth two first-round picks and a fully guaranteed contract? So the entire amount guaranteed. And I said no. No way in hell. The NFL is telling you no in flashing neon signs. He is not worth that. You can say that's collusion against Lamar Jackson, but it's really collusion against fully guaranteed contracts because, I mean, they they do not want to pay. And I go through why and all this stuff. But I will say this. If he moves off a non or off the fully guaranteed into a non-fully guaranteed contract, not only will a bunch of teams jump in, but I think the Titans should. Yeah. However, I don't I think all the teams are going to wait till after the draft. Because when you sign Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet after the draft, you sign them and you lose the picks in the next year's drafts, your, the, those two first-round picks. There are talks that the Ravens are going to match whatever is thrown out there, and I think that's the most likely scenario. And I've been saying that, is that the Ravens are going to match whatever I've said since the last in the regular season when all this stuff started up, that he's going to be a Raven. It, but... There are ways for the Titans to be able to get Lamar Jackson, get him inexpensive, and put together a good deal that's worth it for everybody. And I put that up there. It's a four-year uh, or five-year, $260 million deal overall, $70 million signing bonus, $180 million fully guaranteed, and $200 million in total guarantees. And you can cut them in basically kind of like the Raiders did Derek Carr, you can cut him a couple of days after the Super Bowl and save $46 million against uh, the cap, which is fantastic. A fantastic contract. Hire me, Titans, if you're listening. I can help <laughs> you with all your contract needs, obviously. But it's a pretty inexpensive way to get Lamar Jackson. And then you're giving up your first-round picks next year, so you've been able to build the team through free agency in the draft, and then you get Lamar. And here's the kicker. This is the this is the icing on the cake. You don't have to his cap hit, his numbers do not become official until he signs the contract. The draft ends in May, the first week of May, the ends like May 1st, maybe it's like April 30th or whatever, but it's it goes right into May. June 1st comes around, you are starting to negotiate, you've negotiated the contract for the last 30 days, you get it signed, you get everything. When it's officially signed June 1st, you cut Ryan Tannehill and you save $26 million against the cap. That pays for your salary salary cap and you split his dead cap number. I mean, it's it's a fantastic idea. It almost makes too much sense. 
It, it does. We need to be cold emailing Rand Carthon, Amy Adams Strunk. We need to get you a job over at uh, Baptist Sports Park. Is it still called Baptist Sports Park? I think it's St. Th- Thomas Sports Park. St. Thomas. Yeah, that's it. That's how you know you're old Nashville. You're talking about Baptist. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And your your work on that illustrates how, you know, where there's where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, there's a way for this to be done in a manner that is still team friendly and the Titans secure their quarterback for the future, at least the immediate future. Uh, let's, you know, let's let's breathe some life. Let's breathe some hope into Titans Twitter with this talk right now. Yeah, maybe maybe there is a scenario where they get Lamar Jackson. You're disappointed that they're not signing all these $20 million offensive tackles that ain't worth it. No disrespect intended, of course. Maybe they're, maybe they're just stockpiling this cash for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And and look, it, Titanic says, why would the Titans uh why would the Titans negotiate for the Ravens who will just match? Someone's gonna do it. I mean, yeah. like uh, you yeah. know why they would? Because what if the Ravens don't match? You know, that's the thing is that what if the Ravens maybe that one hundred and eighty million fully guaranteed is a little bit over the price range they're willing to do. I mean, or you tell me you tell me I can roll the dice and if I win I get Lamar Jackson, I'm gonna roll the dice. Right. Like, I mean, that's just, it's just what you got to do. Another thing to take into this account is that if the Titans break news here in the next, you know, in between all this and they extend Ryan Tannehill, it almost rules out a trade. We'll have to see the numbers and the dead cap hit and all that kind of stuff and future guaranteed money. But that is a likely, still a likely scenario on the board. But we'll, we'll just kind of, you know, keep that out there for this, all this quarterback talk. Yeah, I'm with it. Uh, no new news has broken, so that's a good thing. Stony, tell everybody about your big board, your big old stiff board. <laughs> I do have a big old stiff board. That is that is for sure. I've got uh, 86 players evaluated. I've got a list of about 20 guys that I call. They're just guys, like you know, probably not the most elite special athletes, but they got a pretty high floor. They can come in and compete. I've got positional rankings of all the guys that I've graded. It's all available on the Sobros Network Patreon, patreon.com slash Sobros Network. It's $5 a month. Look, I, I've been working on this like crazy all year. I don't have a draft guide. I'm not going to put out a draft guide when I've already got this paywall set up for our premium content. So I just tell people like, hey, if you want to read my draft stuff, stuff, I sign up for the Patreon, five bucks a month. Pay it for March, pay it for April, and then you can be be done with me after the draft. But a lot of player evaluations up there. There's a lot of other stuff up there, too. We got special movie podcasts on Patreon. That's where I write my short fiction, my poetry. There's recipes on there. There's all kinds of like 64 different exclusive podcasts on Patreon. So it's a, it's a great value for $5 a month. You get the draft content. You dive into it. I'm going to be keeping keeping up with this thing throughout the, the draft process been a lot of work and a lot of fun well i want to get through a few things because it uh, your prospect index of positional rankings is what i'm going to go off of here for this okay. uh um big board your big old board um okay so bryce young one anthony mm-hmm. richardson two and then will levis three now obviously cj stroud has not made the top three and that is because you have not watched cj stroud in, I enough in your opinion Yeah, I haven't watched the tape other than the only game that I've watched is the Georgia game, and I'm kind of withholding judgment because 
that game, I know everybody gets so pumped about how good he was in that game, but it kind of felt like an outlier among the, the totality of his 2022 season. And I just want to dedicate the time to go in and do it properly and get a more thorough opinion of him before I actually rank him. I can tell you, I mean, he's, he's going to be number two almost assuredly, but there are some things that I'm still, I'm still kind of concerned about the inconsistency with him. And that's the, uh, that's the only thing, but I'm, I'm super high on Anthony Richardson. I feel like I'm higher than some on Richardson. I think some people are afraid of him and I'm like, nah, let's, let's roll the dice. Let's, let's, you know, plug the spark plug in. Is that what you do? You plug spark plugs in or yeah. do you screw them in? Okay. I think you plug. There we them. go. I yeah. think that's why they're called plugs. Well, I don't know. I don't know much about plugs. So, okay. So, but I want to get to this. You have been blowing up my text messages and <laughs> I am sick of it. Clayton tune as your number four overall quarterback prospect ahead yeah. of guys that you have watched are Tanner McKee. Yeah. Malik Cunningham, Jaron Hall, Max Duggan. Yeah. And I'm, I'm leaning uh, hookers. Another guy that I haven't really watched a lot of. I I'm, I would probably put tune over hooker at this point too. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, whoa, it started, whoa, whoa, whoa. It started as a bit. Okay. Because we watched him at the senior bowl and I don't think he did much of anything special. Like my notes from the senior bowl were Clayton tune looks like he's actively scanning the field decently going through progressions, really accurate on the short mid mid range throw. It's a crap shoot. If he throws it deep, <laughs> you don't know where that thing's going to come down. And then I watched the combine and I didn't realize how well he tested athletically. I mean, he doesn't look like that physically gifted of a guy. And then, uh, you know, JT O'Sullivan dropped a QB school on him. I watched that. And then I started watching some of his games and was just like, man, for, for all of the love that people give Will Levis, Clayton Toon kind of has a similar skill set to that. He makes those off-platform throws. He can be accurate. It's not very consistent, but he he kind of has that quality to him where he can maneuver the pocket and extend plays. And the more I started watching him, I'm like, man, I kind of I kind of like this kid. I kind of like him. That's interesting. I mean, you 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 it, it's borderline sexual harassment as much <laughs> of you talked about Clayton Toon in my uh our our twitter thread here there's um, one of those things where i i don't know if how many of our viewers are wrestling fans but to borrow a term from the wrestling world i worked myself into a shoot over clayton tune where i start playing this bit where it's funny like clayton tune at 11 haha i've got the clayton tune bots in my mentions talking to me about how awesome he is and then uh when i actually watched him i'm like ah oh, man wait a second there's actually something here with this guy he might be a fun little developmental prospect to take i don't think the titans should actually draft him because of i mean you're talking about maybe like a fifth or sixth round pick on the guy but still man there's this is a really good draft to be needing contributors from the later rounds i don't know if you can really roll the dice on him if he doesn't get drafted bring this kid to camp but you know i, yeah. I just I think people should watch him. I'm curious for more opinions on Clayton Toon. Okay, your wide receiver is a little interesting. You got JSN, Jackson Smith, Jigba at number one, which I agree yeah. he's overall number one. Uh, but you have Quentin Johnston at four, Jalen Hyatt at five, Jordan Addison at seven, and Xavier yeah. Hutchison at eight. So I want to kind of get through those four right there. Now, 
I'll go through your number two and number three are Zay Flowers and Josh Downs. Yeah. Um, you have not watched Jonathan Mingo, and I think that's very important to to let people know. Yeah. Um, Quentin Johnston at four. And I think that Quentin Johnston has probably had quietly a little downfall in the power rankings among all the analysts in the media and mock drafts and all this stuff. What's your take on Quentin Johnston? How much is it Max Duggan's fault? I actually honestly think we joked about this at the senior bowl when we saw how piss poor Max Duggan is, but we actually kind of joked the opposite way. Like, Oh my God, Quentin Johnston made Max Duggan a draft pick <laughs> out of, out of all this. I like Johnston's potential. And I do think that a lot of his issues are correctable if he lands with a staff that's willing to be patient with him. But if somebody needs him right away, I'm kind of concerned about him because I I don't think he's really a technician of the position. I think it shows up in some of his drops. I think he's got a little bit of raw route running where he's not really selling well to, to manipulate defensive backs a little bit. And he came in at the combine and just didn't measure to be as big as everybody thought he was. So I, I think he, I think he has a lot of upside and I think he could end up being, I'm, I'm kind of down on the top of this wide receiver class as a whole, but I think he could end up being the best wide receiver to come out of this draft class. I just don't know. Uh, I'm just, I'm kind of scared of him. I, I think he's really uh buyer beware. Jalen Hyatt had a really good combine, but tweaked his hamstring. If the Tennessee Titans were to draft Jalen Hyatt, how many times would he tweak his hamstring hamstring here in Nashville? <laughs> at least uh, at least three times a year. I don't know how many hamstrings he has, but he would tear all of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, I I like that you have Rashi Rice up at six. Was yeah. that how much of that is combine movement for you? He's he's been high on my list for for quite some time until I got around to until I got around to watching all of these potential first round guys a few weeks ago. I mean, he's been my wide receiver one throughout the process. Like I I've been high on him. My critique of him is really just a, a minor thing. The long speed. There were times I was watching his tape and I felt like he allowed guys to get back into the play because he just couldn't pull away. And I'm talking like 30, 40 yards down the field. It felt like defensive backs were kind of closing the gap on him a little bit. And this is playing in the, um, SMU's in the American Conference, right? The American Conference. So I'm kind of worried about what happens to him when he gets into the NFL and he's taking on these speedy NFL cornerbacks. But also, you have to put that into context. How often is Rashi Rice going to be in position where he needs to outrun somebody 60 yards down the field? I just don't see it in this in this Titans offense. I think he's perfectly capable and really good run blocker. I, I told you at the Senior Bowl when we were talking about him, like I think he's got a little bit of Traylon Burks to his game. So I, I like him. I think he's a fairly complete wide receiver prospect. I just I wanted to see more of that long speed. Like when you get down the field with a guy chasing you, just just bury his ass, leave him in the dust. And I didn't see enough of that on tape. The uh, Jordan Addison horrible, horrible combine. I'm scared to I mean, death. One of the worst combines performances like since uh honey badger i mean it was <laughs> so terrible bad. so bad um i mean he didn't really do much and he and he's got injury issues that you, that kind of scare you off he's a frail person any slot only 
Yeah. Are we overthinking Jordan Addison or is this just where Jordan Addison's career trajectory has taken him? Uh, man, I, I feel like he was so productive in that offense that people bit really hard on him. But then when you start watching the tape, I, I kind of feel like he's been on this trajectory all along. And then the combine was just like the final nail in the coffin for him because yeah, he's a great precise route runner, but he didn't face a lot of press man. And when he did, man, he got jammed up pretty easily. I, I swear I saw like almost every other snap guys were playing 10 to 15 yards off of him. And I don't want to undersell his talent because, you know, I know it does take a lot of skill to do what he does, but it kind of felt like, you know, it's easier to find the soft spot in the zone when guys are 10 to 15 feet away from you. And I didn't necessarily see a, a, a skill set or tape, either one, that would inspire a lot of confidence that this guy can be the best receiver in this draft. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I'm at on that. Xavier Hutchison had a quietly good combine, I yeah. think, compared mm-hmm. to what his tape shows. Yeah. Um, I kind of, we, we saw him at the Senior Bowl, and I feel like when you looked at him at the Senior Bowls, like, he kind of just did everything you needed him to do, but nothing was really flashy and yeah. really showing up. And then you turn on the tape, you kind of see the same thing. He has the big plays here and there, and he's a really good wide receiver at Iowa State. And yeah. then he tested, and I'm like, oh, sneaky, sneaky Xavier Hutchison. And mm-hmm. I'm with you. I would put him, I think, right almost where you got him because obviously I'm going to have like Jonathan Mingo in my, you know, top 10, but he's, he's going to be high top on my 10 wide receiver. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on where, why him specifically, when you look at a guy like Trey Palmer and tank Dale being tank Dale's 13, Trey Palmer is 15, man. I I'm way out on tank Dell. I, I, I feel like tank Dell has done nothing but shoot himself in the foot throughout this whole draft process. We saw, we saw him at the senior bowl, dropping punts, dropping passes. I know he's got a sick release package and I know he's, he's a guy you just want to get the ball in his hand and get him into the open field, but he drops another pass at the combine too. And then he doesn't really test from, you know, an athletic standpoint, he's not really among the best of the class. So I don't know where the affinity for him, it's just people watching his tape and being like, Oh my God, this kid's electric and a similar sort of thing with Trey Palmer. I just feel like he's so raw that he's got a long way to go to catch up. So talking about Xavier Hutchinson, I kind of see a little bit of T Higgins in his game where he can come in and be the secondary option. If he finds somewhere that has a Jamar chase and kind of a nifty route runner. I think he's really good in those contested catch situations. I think he's better as a route runner than people give him credit for. I don't even remember what I, I jotted down. Yeah, good size and length, plays a physical ball game, underrated deep threat. This was my note that I wanted to bring up. Long arms and body control skills make him more lethal than his outright speed because he can he can fix onto the ball and come down with it. So I, I like him a lot. I think he has a much higher ceiling. And you don't necessarily have to gear the offense a certain way to get him touches the way I feel like you would with Tank Dell and Trey Palmer. Um, Let's talk about, and I agree with you, I, let's talk about this offensive line situations that you got going on here. Oh, man, I keep changing my mind every day on that. Okay, you have Peter Skaronsky at two as an offensive tackle. 
Offensive yeah. guard, he's number one. Oh, man. So where do you land on Peter Skaronsky? Are you team guard or, or team try him at tackle until he fails and push him into guard when his confidence is shattered? I think it depends on what you need, but what you need also dictates where you can draft him. If you need him to be a guard, like I don't think the Titans should pick him at 11. I'm kind of out on Skaronsky altogether. I think he's got a pretty high floor, but I'm kind of nervous because it's not the short arms for me. He just, you watch the tape and he kind of feels like a bit of a stiff mover a little bit. Technically sound polished. I, I get all that. It just depends on what you need. If you need him to be an offensive tackle, oh, I, I don't know. You probably value him a little more than you would as a guard. And maybe that leads to him getting drafted a little bit higher. I think there's some buyer beware with him though. And that's one name I knew as soon as we started talking about the offensive line, I was like, man, I haven't updated my take on Peter Skaronsky. He's a guy that I keep flip-flopping on. We're going to stick with the guards. Cody Mock, number two, I agree. Peter Skaronsky, number one, I would agree. Osiris Torrance is someone that I want to talk about. I don't think he's that good. Yeah, okay. I don't think he's first-round good, and I would venture to say I'm not entirely sure that he's second-round good because I watch Anthony Richardson and then, like, you see some good stuff from Osiris Torrance, but he's so inconsistent yeah. and he's so unathletic. I think specifically for the Titans, unless they're going to go strictly to gap, he is a no-go for the Tennessee Titans, unless he's like inex- inexplicably there in like the fifth round or something. I would have him on your particular list at number six. I would put Steve Avila and Jarrett Patterson both over yeah. Osiris Torrance. That that's fair. I, I think for Osiris Torrance, I think he's got a really high ceiling to your point. If he gets in a specific offensive system where he's allowed to just do the things that he does well, which is just, you know, mow people down. I, I mean, you know, somewhere like Baltimore or Philadelphia, where he can kind of develop for a while before he's needed right away would probably benefit him. I, I think you're right, though, because we we noticed it at the Senior Bowl. There was all this hype about Osiris Torrance, and every time I noticed him on that first first day, I thought he was the other Florida offensive lineman that was there because he was getting beat by the edge rushers that were down there and the defensive tackles that were by there that were down there. So I I do think there is some concerns about him, but I think projecting him if he gets into the the right fit, I, I think he can be a real road grader in the NFL. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You have Paris Johnson as your number two overall player, and I have heard that a few other big boards have had him as their number three overall players. You have him as the highest. Of course, you haven't watched everybody. But tell everybody, while Paris Johnson may be the most boring pick and the most predictable pick, why it's the best pick. I honestly... I see a little bit of Taylor Lewan to his game, the way he he's good in pass protection. I don't know that he's the best pure pass protector in this draft, but I think he's got the skills. I, I think he's really aggressive at the second level in the run game, and he has that attitude that this Titans regime seems to covet so much where he just likes putting people in the dirt. Now, I know there are instances on his tape of him getting punched and beaten inside, but I, I just I feel like he's the most complete prospect. 
in a draft class that doesn't have a whole lot of complete prospects. Now, to your point, I, I just finished my Jalen Carter study uh, yesterday morning. I just haven't added it to the big board. Right now, I, it's, I've got Bryce Young number one, and then I'm tossing around Jalen Carter or Paris Johnson between those two. So I think, I think there are like four prospects at that level that are as close to a sure thing as you're going to get in this draft. And I would consider Paris Johnson one of them because I just don't see, I don't see the same weaknesses that other people are, are, are pointing out with him. Well, speaking of sure things, there's no sure thing than the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. For all your home remodeling and building needs, kingstongroup.com. You will never regret just giving them a talk. Just go get an estimate, give it, get a talk, and just let them show you what they're all about. The Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Stoney, thank you for filling in for Braden. One last time, plug everything about the Sobros Network. Anytime, Zach. I appreciate you having me on. I do want to say our buddy Sean, it's his birthday today. If he's watching, I know he usually does. Happy birthday to Sean. Also, before we move on, any news on a free agent offensive tackle Dennis Daly? Because he might be an option for the Titans as well at left tackle. Uh, I, I think for right now, Dennis Daly is uh, basically updating his resume for maybe some other work. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, thanks again for having me. I'm at Stoney Keeley on Twitter. Get all my draft content on Patreon, patreon.com slash Sobros Network, $5 a month. Get you instant access. Try it out for a couple of months. If you don't like it after the draft is over, scram. That's fine. We can do this again next year, too, because that's where I, I keep all my draft content. Uh, SobrosNetwork.com, the unofficial Titans podcast, wherever you take in your shows. I, I'm everywhere. I ain't hard to find on these internet streets, Zach. I like it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at EffortsPod. You can also hear football and other F-words every roughly a Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on when we actually record this. The off season kind of dictates when we actually get to do it, but that's with Mike Herndon. Then also stacking inbox.com, all my written work. As soon as we're off here, I'm going to try and finish up the, uh, the free agent sheet, uh, the data tools. So everybody can have that at least heading into tomorrow. And uh, other than that, this has been a football show. If I can actually figure out where our actual <laughs> clip is. Three, two, one. This has been a football show. <laughs>